Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. The Morning Show. The Home Team. No, it's both. It's the crossover. Crossover, step back. Right here on 960theref.com. All right, this is episode number 174 of the Crossover Podcast. David Johnston from the Morning Show, Jeff Dantzler from the Home Team. We are crossing it over, baby. And this is the 174th time there has been a Crossover Podcast. We appreciate you joining us, and thank you for listening to 960theref, 960theref.com, and the great, great 960theref app. If you don't have it, Download now. You can find it in the App Store if you have an iPhone and uh, Google Play if you have an Android. And uh, it has been one week since we recorded. So today is uh, Wednesday, February 10th. Later on tonight, the dogs will be playing Tennessee in basketball. So not a, a ton to go over there since there's a, a game coming up a little later. Obviously, the big thing, Jeff, that we had uh, since we've last chatted, a bowl that wasn't really super until you start thinking about what the quarterback on the winning team has done in his career, and that is certainly super or superb Tom Brady. You're spot on there, my friend. Brady was incredible, and really the, the true MVP of the game, I thought, was a Tampa Bay front. And uh, you, you and I talked about it a lot last week with all the issues that Kansas City had on the offensive line. They, they really showed up. And, and give Tampa Bay a lot of credit. They cashed in. There were some plays, especially in the first half, that weren't made. Some critical drops by Tyreek Hill and, and Travis Kelsey. Uh, we talked about it earlier this week. I thought Mahomes had five or six of the most impressive incomplete passes I've ever seen, including the one oh, yeah. that hit one of his teammates on the face mask. But you just had the feeling that his guys didn't make the plays for him. Uh, they needed everything to go right to have a chance. And, and then Tampa, how about this? Back-to-back games, it looks like maybe they can get in field goal range. Maybe. And they wind up getting touchdowns at the end of the half. That was a gut punch. And i got to tell you, too, DJ, I, I was pretty shocked that Kansas City went for the field goal at 14-3, and I was stunned when they're sitting around the 35 fourth and medium that they went for the field goal at 21 to 6. So how much did you cash in for having the Chiefs not scoring a touchdown in the Super Bowl? $28,000. Yeah, <laughs> sure everybody had that. And with that, DJ, you know, you think about it, you can go back through history and and taking nothing away from a lot of these great defenses I'm about to mention, but just the way the game is played today, the way the rules are set up favoring the offense with penalties, with the number of plays that are run, when you look at some of the great defensive performances ever, Doomsday Dallas held Miami to three. The Dolphins' defense shut out Washington in Super Bowl seven, but yeah. Garrow gave them a touchdown. The no-name defense and held the Vikings to seven points. Certainly you look at the Steel Curtain when they beat the Vikings 16-6. to six. The 85 Bears, how dominant that defense was. 
But to keep this offense, even with the issues Kansas City's had on the offensive line, and Patrick Mahomes, who talking about traj, uh, trajectory. Yes, trajectory. If he decided to go play pro golf right now, he's in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. This guy is well on his way to being an all-time great. To keep that juggernaut out of the end zone, it goes down as one of the all-time great defensive performances in Super Bowl history. So how often, you you rattle off some more in the modern era, though, but how often does a losing team not score a touchdown? We saw the Patriots do it to the Rams 13-3 mm-hmm. to a couple of years ago. And then uh, the Seahawks beat the Broncos 43-8. to <laughs> Now, what was the – how did they get the There eight? was a TD and a two-pointer. Okay. It was a two-point conversion. I think when it was 32 to nothing. It wasn't two field goals and a safety. No, no. Yeah. I mean, you had the 34-7 – Ravens over the yep. Giants. That was a kick return for a touchdown yep. there. So I mean, th- this there, one is, I mean, this, this doesn't happen very often. And to happen to this offense, I know they were missing their left tackle. They had to move their line around some center issues, but um, this is incredible that they didn't score a touchdown. No, it really is. And again, when you talk about Patrick Mahomes, who's the best quarterback out there, you know, Travis Kelsey's the best tight end, Tyreek Hill, Miko Hardman, everything they've got at wide receiver with Clyde Edwards, Hilaire, and all those backs, and, and they just couldn't punch it in. And you could feel Tampa take control. I felt after the field goal when Fournette broke off the long run, that was a feeling that the Tampa front on both sides had completely taken Control of the game, and what are the biggest stats you look for out of a quarterback? TD to interceptions. Brady had three to zero. Three to zilch. And And he threw three picks against the Packers and lived to tell about it. Yep. But that wasn't the case this past week where he uh, played a very clean game. Fifth Super Bowl MVP. I know the the game is kind of far enough away from us now where, where, uh, you know, a lot of people had time to digest it and everything, so we don't need to, like, go – into uh, the nuts and bolts of everything. There's a a, um, a couple of stats. The one about Mahomes running close to 500 yards uh, in all the in all his uh, passing attempts before he let go of the ball or before he uh, was sacked is incredible. Just no pocket to <laughs> uh, to speak of. And um, the other thing I think is interesting too. And I know this sounds like this is uh, taking shots at Alabama, and it's not. It's just one of those mind-blowing stats that no Alabama, no player that went to the University of Alabama has ever scored a point in the Super Bowl. And yes, they've had Super Bowl MVPs. <laughs> yes, they've had touchdowns throw or excuse me, quarterbacks throw touchdown passes, mm-hmm. but they have never actually had a kicker kick a field goal or an extra point. They've never had a defensive point scored and they've never had an offensive point scored, like a running back or a receiver or anything like that, which is just with the number of players that they've had is absolutely insane. Um, Mr. Irrelevant, Ryan Suckup, scored, let's see, he would have scored how many points? Eight, I guess. Would it have been eight? They had four or seven. Yeah, he scored seven points. So that's seven points for South Carolina. (laughs) Uh, with Antonio Brown catching a touchdown pass, that gets Central Michigan on the board. They had not scored before. And then Rob Gronkowski scoring um, yeah, helps uh, Arizona with uh, 12 points. And then Tick with Butker got nine points oh, on uh, on uh, on Sunday. So am I leaving anyone out? Those well, were the uh, Fournette with LSU. And Fournette yeah, with LSU, yeah, yes. Yeah. So those were the schools that added to the point total. But, I mean, that's just – 
it's a testament to Alabama in when you say the weird stat category because that that makes no sense. It, it is when you consider the first three Super Bowl MVPs were star, we're, star, and Namath. One of them might have run in a touchdown yes, or something. Yes, you know, and, and then and of course the, the snake with the Oakland yep. Raiders. And, yeah, you know, you, you think about all the you know. Unfortunately, Julio didn't get in for the Falcons. You right. think of all the great receivers of the Saban era and going back to you now the Browns never got there. You know, Ozzie Newsome and and you know obviously. The guys like Dwight Stevenson and John Hanna played on the offensive line. But, yeah, you're right. For all the great players they've had to, to not get a touchdown, that's just one of those interesting anomalies, especially when you consider they've got two players who have won a total of three Super Bowl MVPs to their credit. That's just one of those crazy, crazy statistics out there. Uh, but it, was, it really was. It was a dominating performance for Tampa Bay. Hey, say this for the Bucks. When they go to Super Bowls, they show up. They beat the Raiders forty-eight to twenty-one, and and beat the Kansas City Chiefs thirty-one to nine. Yeah, they uh, they don't get there that often, but when they do, they uh, they cash in. So good for them. And you know, the, another weird stat is they won three straight road games to get to the Super Bowl, and then they get to play a home game. Isn't that bizarre? Yeah, I mean, it just little things like that. They go out and get Tom Brady, and immediately just cash in. Maybe that should show uh, other franchises nothing wrong at all uh, with you know that thinking. And, and I think that kind of leads us to, if you're the Falcons right now, they've obviously got a new regime, DJ. It's a quarterback-rich draft. We've already seen some movement with Matthew Stafford leaving Detroit to go to the Rams. And, and, and I mean, the Rams had to give up a lot to get him. So the Falcons' first big decision – is do they stay with Matt Ryan? And and that's fine if they do. And then as we talk a lot, I think uh, 98% of the time that the best move then is to take that best player available with that fourth pick in the draft. If, if the guy you like, if you think he's going to be there, 8, 9, or 10, you move back. You get some value for it. But that's the, the first big question they've got to answer. And you're talking about an early huge decision for the new regime. And then the other part of that you're thinking is, okay, is it diminishing returns? This is the greatest player in franchise history. But also, when's the next time we're going to have the number four pick in a draft this rich with quarterbacks? So do you feel like that kind of forces the hand? It's not an easy decision to make. Well, uh, just unless something crazy goes wrong, we know Trevor Lawrence isn't going to be there. Then with the uh, number two pick, you got the Jets. The number three pick is is open right now, I would think, as to what yeah. the Dolphins are going to do. And then the Falcons. Right. So if Fields goes second or Wilson goes second, mm-hmm. and if Fields goes second or Wilson goes third, how would you feel the Falcons took the quarterback uh, from – North Dakota State. North Dakota State. I, I think that's. I think a lot of fans would. That's a reach. Yeah, at that I point. think. It, and the thing is, it's not like Matt Ryan is done. No, that's not no. at all. But with him, there are there's money issues, and you know, like you said, when do you think you're drafting this high again? And for the Falcons, they weren't. I mean, the, you are what you are. They went four and twelve, but as we know how the season went, they very easily could have been. Seven and nine or eight mm-hmm. and eight, so they're probably not as bad as we think. Well, I don't think they're that bad. They just weren't good. But how good or bad are they? That's the thing. And if they improve to eight and eight next year, then they're drafting in the uh, 
in the purgatory. Yeah. And then, you know, you get stuck in the middle, and that's the that's the question there. I don't know. I, I know. And, and it's what's so interesting, too, you feel like when you look at this upcoming draft that half of the top ten don't need quarterbacks. And certainly you look at Miami sitting there at three. They just took Tua. You know, Cincinnati sitting there at five with Joe Burrow. So you, you got several teams in this position. And but what it, Cincinnati needs yeah. is that left tackle, Sewell. That they do. And would they be scared he might be gone? Would they swap I, places? Maybe with, with Miami. The, or the Falcons. I, potentially they could. I will say this. If our is is – as valuable as that left tackle is, and, and the thing too about the elite left tackles is th- those guys have the lowest bust rate. Yeah, even for the ones that don't turn out to be great, great players, they're still starting on the offense. Like Jake line. Matthews, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah he, they're still going to be a starter. Again, with Sewell, we, we're just going off of what the scouts are telling yeah. us. You know, we haven't seen it firsthand like we did with Andrew Thomas, right? Like we've seen with Alex Leatherwood at Alabama. But I, if I was Joe Burrow, I, I would be so tempted to say, take Kyle Pitts or take Devontae Smith, because I think those are two mm-hmm. elite, elite pass catchers that are coming out. So this is going to be a fun, fun offseason. Uh, stunningly, I think the SEC will have the most first-round picks once again. But just with the, the quarterback situation and the potential revolving door we could have with a lot of franchise. And another thing for Atlanta, too, DJ, I think with the Colts, with Phillip Rivers retiring, with the Bears, with the Denver Broncos, you've got some teams out there that probably feel like they've got the pieces except for the most important one. So does that make Matt Ryan even more valuable? Could you get a little bit more? Again, not an easy decision to make. Well, we got uh, the the new GM, <coughs> Fontenot, and the new head coach in Arthur Smith. So we haven't seen them team up together yet. So we'll we'll find out in April. It's still two and a half months away. Yeah. A lot think- of stuff can happen, but there's not the, the combine. I guess there is going to be like a workout place, and I guess schools will have it, but we won't see it like we normally do, like you're saying. So yeah, it's going to be uh, you know very interesting for for a lot of teams. And and I, I'll be honest with you, I mean I'm torn on. On the, on the Matt Ryan situation, the quarterback situation. It's almost like, you know, if you've got Justin Fields right there, you know. be hard to say no to that. It'd be hard to say no to that. But it, if you have Trey Lance, I think it'd be takes, easier to say no to that. Yeah, exactly. This but decision, if you could get Panay Sewell, if yeah. he's as good as they say. I know. And then, like you were saying with the Dolphins, they've got to go with Tua for a while. Yeah. What, the, the Jets – they're sending mixed signals. Are they going to really stay with Sam Darnold? If they are, then you got to think they're trading out of two yeah. and getting everything they can for that. So, like we were saying, for, for these quarterbacks, because of the trade potential there at two and three with the Jets and Dolphins, you could have quarterbacks go one, two, three. That's not yeah. that outlandish. There's never been a one, two, three, four. No, no, and, and I don't think that. Yeah, would, I don't think there will be this year. No, I, I don't either. So. There, there are a lot of, lot of things that could go down here. And, and any time you've got quarterback movement and a quarterback-rich draft, that, that's just going to drive the interest level up tremendously. And, again, I, I just think the X factor you've got. Trash. Trash. Yes. <laughs> most of the time, most of the teams picking in the top ten need quarterbacks. This year, that is just not the case, which makes it all the more intriguing. Well, we love mock drafts because they mean nothing and they mean everything. Mm-hmm. And when I say they mean everything, 
It means something we can talk about. Absolutely. So Todd McShay came out with his second one earlier this morning. And after the Jaguars and Trevor Lawrence, he's got the Jets taking Zach Wilson. He's got the uh, Dolphins trading with the Panthers so that the Panthers can move up and take Trey Lance. Oh, see, I, I'm then, not buying that. They, there's and no then the way. Falcons taking Justin Fields. And he does say, I mean, he's like, between Lance and Fields right now, it's too early to tell. He just says, I think Lance has just a smidge of an edge. But, I mean, Boy, that's the competition that Fields has gone up against has uh, has been better. But, and, you know, do you, do you think some franchises consider, like, you know – and this is not me throwing a, a shot here, taking a shot, but do you think some franchise like, we need to know a little more about him because he left his first school. Uh, no doubt. He didn't compete. No doubt. You know, is, is that what it looks like? Do, franchise, you know, do we want this quarterback that we're going to invest a ton of money in that has a history of, of uh, running away? I'm not saying that's what he did, but that's how it could be perceived. You, you could certainly spin it against him. And you know in these interviews when they're going through everything that they're going to come up with anything potentially negative you could find. And you understand why, because this is an enormous investment. Uh, the fields we saw against Alabama would make me a little shaky. The fields we saw against Clemson, mm-hmm. you would feel very good about taking him. But I think that's – and it's very rare that there are sure things. Uh, and Lawrence certainly appears to be a sure thing. But that's the other deal. If you are in the Falcon spot, if, if you trade Ryan, are you that certain on Wilson slash Fields if they're there? That That's another big question that's got to be answered for you. Now, I, I think if, if the Falcons had the number one pick, it's a no Honestly, yeah. the only player in the NFL right now I would not trade for the number one pick this year is Patrick Mahomes. If I was Baltimore, I'd trade Lamar Jackson for Lawrence. If I was Green Bay, I'd trade an <laughs> aging Aaron Rodgers for Lawrence. But I, Mahomes is the only guy I wouldn't deal. And that's why Jacksonville's obviously sitting in the catbird seat. There, there's no you – know, again, unless Kansas City yeah. wanted to wanted to send him Mahomes. They're saying we didn't, we didn't lose 15 in a row for nothing. That's right. That's we didn't lose 15 in a row to draft a left tackle. <laughs> We're getting us some Trevor Lawrence. So, it, but, but it is – the movement in this draft's going to be intriguing. I, I think from a Georgia standpoint, Ojolari's – Probably going to be the first bulldog to go. He can get to the quarterback. Yeah, he's number twenty-two. Okay, going to the Titans and McShay's latest. The, the the other interesting question then is going to be: Does Eric Stokes or Tyson Campbell go next at corner? And it's it's interesting how the scouts view things here. Campbell probably a little bit more physical but Stokes you talk about making plays that guy made a ton of plays Uh, you know it's interesting too Campbell had one interception in his career I mean Stokes had two pick sixes this year you think about the black block punt he had at Missouri in 2018 so you know from that standpoint I would probably lean a little bit more towards Stokes Campbell seems to be the guy that the scouts like a little bit more but I would guess DJ that they would be the next two Georgia guys to go in whatever order it may be between Campbell and Stokes. Well, the uh, the, the dogs are definitely going to be well represented. Obviously, mm-hmm. like we said, a, a, a long way to go between uh, now and the draft, but it is, it is kind of fun to talk about between them and the Falcons and, uh, and certain players. Spring practice, by the way, we do know that it'll be on April 17th. 
don't really know much more than that. I would just assume that um, it'll be similar to what we saw in the fall. I don't know about it if there will be more people or not, but I think it'll be something that we a game that we saw in the fall. That kind I of attendance. It will not be. 95k day at Sanford State <laughs> unfortunately <laughs> that not. is not going to be the case uh but uh, it is interesting it'll be in the middle of baseball season Georgia baseball cranks up a week from Friday as the dogs take on Evansville and um the major leagues it, it wouldn't be springtime if the owners and players weren't <laughs> complaining about stuff and not getting along and as of now and I don't I, I still I'm going to hold out hope that they can get the DH in the National League. I'm not giving up on that for 21, even though we're being told right now that's not going to happen. I'm not giving up whole hope on that. But, uh, you know, we we did find out, uh, I guess, earlier in the week that um, that baseball is going to put that man on second base. And um, we might see some of that in college. Maybe not every to. game, but uh, we might see some of that in college. Now, the weird thing is you might have that rule – Coach Strickland has already said that you might have that rule in place for, like, getaway day. It may not be on a Friday or a Saturday, but you might have it on a Sunday. Well, that's one of those, too, and not that, that my opinion counts for anything, but but I think that's one where somebody needs to step in and say, all right, guys, I'm we, we need to kind of protect ourselves from ourselves here. I just don't like it. Again, who cares what I think? I don't like playing by different rules on different days throughout the year yeah. i mean to me if you have a rule for for game one it needs to be that way all the way through the finals of the college world series and I sure mean, and just to think like well we're going to play on friday and saturday like this but on sunday this is going to be the situation i know the justification would be well, well that that could you know pr- prevent ties and you know we've had three ties dave in our time uh, against yep. lsu through the years and you know not coincidental it all has to do with with getting away to travel. But the other part of that, too, is it, it protects the teams. And not to say it couldn't happen, but for the most part, you put that runner at second with nobody out, you're not going to get 15, 16, 17, 20 inning games. Right. That's that's brutal in the majors. But in the majors, they do have a farm system where you can call <laughs> guys up. I mean, in college, that absolutely but eats you alive. There were two games this past season in the majors now granted it's a smaller sample size mm-hmm. but there were two games that went 13 innings right. those were the two longest games there had you had to go all the way back i think to like 1901 to find a season where there wasn't a game that went past 15 innings oh sure so yeah it, it, it definitely works putting sure, that runner yeah. at second base so i'm um you know that rule i don't have a problem with now seven inning double headers is gonna be different for teams that kind of stuff i i would like to see the dh in the national league more i'm more about i just want them seeing using the you know the same rules that's that's my thing it's not as much about the dh but it's like it's just weird when you have one league that plays uh you know it'd be like in the nba if like the uh the eastern conference played a, a normal but in the western conference they use an extra defender, so it's five right. on six in, in, in overtime, yeah, yeah or something yeah. weird like that. Uh, yeah, that's um, so. Yeah, I don't. I, I'm not quite sure how, how I feel yeah. about it, but I, I want them to be the same. I'll say this, Dave. I, I would. I liked having it different rules, but that was also when we were growing up. The NL and the AL were autonomous. Yeah, you know, there was no interleague play. The only time 
you saw the other guy was the all-star game in the World Series. I mean, each league had their, their president. I mean, the rules used oh, to yeah. be – I mean, it alternated between who got the home field advantage for games one, two, six, and 7 right. and whether you had the DH that year or not. It, it was just a, a crapshoot. You know, it was like a, odd years was the – I'm trying to think. what I guess odd years would have been the American League and a DH, even years, vice versa. Well, when the Braves and Twins played right, in it was 91, in it was in Minneapolis, yeah. but then it got flipped – not having it in 94 and then right but so yeah. but that's just the way it was yeah. but i think now that you've got the inter you've got interleague play every night yep i mean every night so i, I think they're gonna have a, a hard time not going to it it'll, it'll probably be in 2022 i like the seven inning double headers i think in in college on on our front i it's it it's a it's a definite must because the other part too these aren't day nights and that's just a long day at the yard. And the non-conference games, the the coaches have to agree before the game about putting the runner on second nice. base. And I'm I'm like, if it's a game that starts at seven o'clock, just go just ahead and put it. it on there. Just do it. Yeah, yeah. It's just it's ridiculous. I mean, I, I think that's one where I think in college sports, one thing we could use is a little bit more uniformity. And I think that would be a nice thing, just to say, hey, listen, the majors are doing this. We've got 11.7 scholarships. Yeah. We've got limited numbers here. And, and hey, I get it. If you lose that heartbreaker and, and you know, or, or if you win that heartbreaker, the, the heartbreaker for the other team, if you win that dramatic game in 17, 18 innings, that's phenomenal. I get it. If you lose because the guy on sake said, hey, we had deeper pitch, we could have hung in there. But for the most part, you're protecting both teams. And if you get to an SEC championship game or you know a, a regional or a World Series and it comes down to it and, and it winds up costing you, man, so be it. But I, I just I think it's a good thing for, for the pace of play. And the other thing, too, Dave, we could sit there and I think about all the car rides we make through the years uh, following Georgia. I love talking about strategy. And that runner on second with nobody out – is a great opportunity to do that because now you're saying, okay, now if, if you don't have that rule, you get a leadoff double, you're moving him over in the top of the 10th. No doubt about it. But now you're thinking, well, if, if, if you're the visitor you're, and you also got to look at where you are in the lineup, where's the other guy in the lineup? I, are we for sure going to try and move that guy over? Because guess what? The other guy's going to have the guy at second. Yeah. Then let's say you do move him over. If you're the home team, don't bring that infield in. That leads to big innings because you're going to get your guy at second yeah. base. Whereas if it's the the, the uh, what we'll call the old rules, you're going to bring that infield in. I, I just love the, the different thing is strategizing. Like, yeah, it, it is. Yes, it's fun. It's fun. Yeah. And, you know, me personally, it's like I'm thinking keep the other team to one run. Sure. Yeah. Keep Hold them the to, other one guy to one run. You got a runner at second with nobody out. Yes, we know the curse of the leadoff double. Hope Harriet's listening to us, but this isn't the leadoff <laughs> double. This is just the leadoff runner at second base. Because the thing with this, you know the other guy's going to have a leadoff double, That's too. right, because that, they're going to have the same it. thing, so how do you answer that? Yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to see. And uh, at least as of right now, the baseball season, the Braves anyway, are supposed to open on April Fool's Day, <laughs> on April 1st. And uh, it's, it's just good that we've got this to talk about. Uh, before we get on out of here, we do have uh, Dogs on Tour. At uh, one of the great, oh, great, man. great, great places in the world, Pebble Beach this week. Brian Harmon, Chris Kirk, and Keith Mitchell are the only dogs that are playing at Pebble Beach. It is the Pebble Beach Pro-Am, but this year it's missing the am part of it. 
So they're playing at uh, Pebble and they're playing at Spyglass. Okay. I, I would, I would, if I had to pick a dog to be the top finisher, maybe Harmon because he grew up in Savannah down on the coast <laughs> and maybe those winds he can get yeah. a little used to it. But no doubt when you're talking golf, and there, there are so many elite all-time great courses, but the Holy Grail is Augusta National, St. Andrews, and Pebble Beach. I think for any, growing up fantasizing about winning. So what's number four on that Mount Rushmore? See, that would be a good fight for yeah, that one there yeah. between Who gets the number four on Oakland that one? Hills and Baltus Rawl yeah. and Wingfoot. But th- those are the three where the golf course truly is the star. And I think for those of us, hey, I still fantasize. What about, now see, here's one that we just don't know because we don't see it that Pine much. We no, uh, well, I was yeah. going to say Royal Melbourne. Royal Melbourne's another yeah. one. Yeah, they're, what is it, the San Francisco Golf Club? People say, like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah that's a place you'll never see it. But it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable, yeah. But definitely. The Pine those Valley, the, too. Yeah, you're right. Those are the three courses, though, that, that you dream. And like I said, I still do it at 48. Like, to win the Masters at Augusta National, a British Open at St. Andrews, to win a U.S. Open at Pebble Beach. And the scenery there, it's breathtaking. <laughs> it is really unbelievable. Yeah. So I always look forward to that. And I love the West Coast swing because the scenery is so beautiful, great courses. It finishes usually a little bit later. And plus, for most places, the weather's not so good. It's beautiful out there. But you know what? As we broadcast today, we got to 72 know, degrees incredible. here in Athens, which means we'll have snow on opening day. It's that, this is that weird time. Of course we will. <laughs> it's that weird time of year where I come in early in the morning, and then what I'm wearing later in the day, I'm completely not dressed right for gotta the day. Got to layer up. We got to layer yeah, up. Yeah, so sure. it's, it's, uh, it's tough weather-wise. By the way, we did have a Jordan Spieth sighting last week Ooh. at uh, Phoenix, but it ended up being Brooks Kepka who ends up getting the win. He's been hurt, had some injuries, hadn't heard from him in, in a while, and all of a sudden Here he, he is. gets a win. Now he has four regular wins and four majors. I think he needs to win a couple more majors so he can keep that crazy stat going. Easy, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, but I, I think he's your pick at Augusta right now. Um, Over DJ? I would lean that, yeah. And by I, the way, DJ won this past weekend too. Yeah, he was at in uh, Saudi Arabia. East, yeah, and he was supposed to play at Pebble, and uh, he's he has uh, withdrawn. All right, yeah. <laughs> and, but it was great to see Spieth and DJ. It was shades of 2015. Those two bombs he made on Saturday on 16 and 70. I think it was yeah. 66 feet of. Putts. And to hear people cheering uh, for that sure. was another that was thing. Awesome. Yeah. It was. That was awesome. another thing we hadn't had that. Yeah, it was. It, it was. It was a great scene. Now it wasn't quite the, the, the sixteen that we're used to, but still, still, and not what. Yeah, not what we're used to. But it was. But it, it was, was still great good to, to start it. to see some people, you know, back around and and, and watching the uh, the tournaments and or excuse me, the tournament and and just you know the golf in general. So yeah, that was uh, it was a good weekend between the uh, the waste management and the. And the Super Bowl Sunday was uh, was good. It yeah, really was. I think for a, for a lot of people, probably drying out for a couple of days. And uh, you know, that's one we, we could we could have a, a subject on this one time. Maybe when the NCAA hoops tournament comes around, because I would think the three most frequent days for I'm, I'm doing my uh, club pro guy air quotes here <laughs> calling in sick would probably be the Monday after the Super Bowl and the first two days of the NCAA hoops tournament. Yeah, I've got to ask you. Yeah. Got a little cold. My daily trage is not going <laughs> to allow me to be at the office today. Why is it? Well, I was drinking Jägermeister at ten thirty <laughs> last night. It's just not going to happen. <laughs> it is not going to work out for me today. Just want to go ahead and uh, let you know. But uh, yeah, I'm certainly glad. And like a day like today, like you said, we're oh. at seventy degrees. It's beautiful outside, and it just uh, yeah, we've got more cold, but still, oh, it's yeah. great. 
that you can actually get a day like this and it gets you longing for the spring. It's a teaser. It's it is a it's a real crowd pleaser. Is, but, but is I, what it is. I'm so excited too, DJ, for us to be back together on Friday, February the 19th. A week and from Friday. A week nine from days. Friday, and in what was undoubtedly, in many ways, uh, literally and figuratively, the longest off season of all time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Can't and it wait started to be back. in your hometown on March <laughs> in on, the borough on my mother's birthday. On your mother's March birthday, March the 12th. Hey, you'll go out and watch some golf out there. And, and hey, because you know, Georgia Southern was hosting their tournament, the old Chris Schinkel. And then, you know, Daisy, hey, you know, we could maybe hit the TPC on the way down I to thought Gainesville. I'm, I, I was going to try to go on Thursday uh, to the golf. And then uh, instead, yeah. was headed back home. Yes. <laughs> we didn't want to do it. I saw ESPN. They've been. For their podcast, and and you hear Scott Van Pelt, the world has changed. Relive the night of March the 11th. I'll, I'm like, I'll who pass. in the world wants to go listen to that? You know, maybe in like 10 years, yeah. you'll say, oh, but no yeah. thank you. I'll, I'll pass. pass on that. Yeah. I don't want any part of it either. No. <laughs> I want to like relive, you know, when, when the dogs beat Arkansas, we got to go play football. <laughs> All right, we're back. This is awesome. But I can't hey, wait to get back out. John Wallace is in Athens. He's going to be speaking over at the Coliseum. Yeah, that's right. If you want to go relive his last second <laughs> shot to beat the Bulldogs right. in 1996. Yeah, be sure to show up. <laughs> like, no. Pick out your heartbreaker. and Let's go talk about that. Uh, my three favorite ex-girlfriends and how they dumped me. Yeah, let's go through <laughs> I know. that. Come I know. on, I'm really? going to pass on that. God, that's just like, oh, my God. You know, we've all got those... Those those days and nights that you'll never forget. We all know the dates. That's one of them. No, yeah. thank you. No thanks. Or no what dates. are the thanks for nothing? <laughs> <laughs> all right, we got to get the Barokin Four cranked up. <laughs> we got to get on out of no here. No more blue Venus. Oh, <laughs> good to get some things back to normal too. Amen some to of that. that as well. Amen to that. All right, Jeff. Uh, man, the, the time flies here on the crossover. We'll do it again next week. I don't know what day. We'll figure we'll see it what out. the schedule is. May do it on Thursday of next week because we don't have a Lady Dogs Thanks game. Thanks to the rudderless ship Commodore. <laughs> I'm going to send them an invoice. I brought that up to Kirby's right-hand man, Josh Lee, and he goes, remember to do it for both football games. Yeah, really? Missed. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's true. No kidding. <laughs> no those kidding. those of us who get paid by the game. Well, hopefully we'll have uh, good stuff to talk about next week with Georgia Can't basketball. Wait. But they got Tennessee tonight and Alabama on Ooh. Saturday. so And then Missouri. And then Missouri on Tuesday. And then the Gators. And then, oh, man. It's a stretch. Tough stretch, tough stretch. Called the SEC. All right, again, uh, find us in the App Store if you got an iPhone. And uh, Google Play for your Android. He's Jeff Dantzler from the home team. I'm David Johnston from the morning show. That's why we call it the crossover. And thanks so much for joining us here on 960theref, 960theref.com. Some people say the old 96. (laughs) And, as always, the 960theref app. You've been listening to the crossover on 960theref.com. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. 
all backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware.